Good morning, church. What a lovely morning the Lord has given us to come and worship Him. And you know, just like life, whether it's sunny or cloudy, the sun is still shining. And God is still looking down and, and, and radiating into our lives. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, we come to you this morning seeking your heart. Lord, we come to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we come to receive of your spirit. And we ask that you would be glorified in both. Father, may the words of my lips be the words of your heart. And may the hearing of our ears, may it be life and may it be faith to us. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks and praise. Amen. I'm excited about what God is doing, and especially what he's going to be doing here at Christian Outreach Church this year. Even though I'm a teacher, I'm not going to do too much teaching this morning. And even though sermons are for preaching and teaching, I don't think I'll exactly be preaching too much this morning either. I feel led by the Holy Spirit. I am led by the Holy Spirit to be an exhorter or an encourager this morning. I want to encourage you to actively participate with what the Holy Spirit is going to be doing in the coming weeks and days. Or maybe I should say days and weeks. God is looking for available vessels. I want to say that again. God is looking for available vessels. He wants to use you so much more than you even want to be used. He wants to use you so much more than you even know. In the coming months, while we are going to be learning how to flow more in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can and will use you now. He's not looking for ability, but for availability. You are a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit with the dynamite power of Jesus Christ. And that makes you able in and of itself. But only you can make yourself available. What is the goal of the Christian life? Next slide, please. To know him, that's certainly part of it. To make him known, that's certainly part of it. I would think that since sanctification is a process, that there's probably more than one goal for the Christian life. As there are individual callings for every Christian, it would suggest that different Christians may have some differing goals. However, I am convinced that one goal is the key to achieving all the other goals. In Colossians 3, verse 14, But above all these things, put on love. Agape, seeking others' well-being without expecting anything in return. Being others-focused, self-giving, which is the bond of perfection. In the Greek, literally the state of the more intelligent, or that is, the mature. When we, or we put on love, 
when we walk in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. And I'm going to read this slowly because I want you to get every statement. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. I would say that being rooted and grounded in God's love is the requirement for putting on love. John tells us that we love God because he first loved us. And we bear fruit when we are abiding in his love. Like Jesus, we reveal God's true nature to this world when we walk in his love. And to that end, we have spent much time in the past examining the attributes of God, which reveal his nature to us. And to the same end going forward, we will examine who we are in Christ and how to activate the gifts of the Spirit in our lives so that as Christ, we may prove to a lost and perishing world how much God loves them and that Jesus Christ wants to be their Savior as well as ours. So in the coming months, we will take a deep dive into who we are in Christ as well as the operation of the Holy Spirit, in particular, the activating of the gifts in our lives. You see, when we are rooted and grounded in God's love for us, when we know who we are in Christ and have God's gifts activated in our lives, we are then empowered to do the works that Jesus did on a regular basis. God will use us all. I heard someone say this morning, we're all lights. We might be a birthday candle, or we might be a spotlight, but we're all lights. But I want to be more of a light tomorrow than I am today. I want to be empowered to do the works that Jesus did on a regular basis, just like Jesus did them. I'm going to go off script here for just a minute. You know, the church has many ideas. I say the church, I'm going to put that in quotation marks. Many ideas of how we should evangelize. Programs that somehow should make it easier for us. But I have to say, Jesus knew the best way. It worked for him in a culture that was much more evil than the one we are in today, if that's possible. And I believe if we want to see the kind of results that Jesus and the early apostles and the early believers saw, 
We have to evangelize the way Jesus did. So I would like to take a few minutes to discuss biblical evangelism and the making of disciples. Don't shoot me for the next statement. Hear me out. Nowhere in the Bible am I aware of the command that we are to get people saved. I would like to view Christ's command for us to make disciples. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, obviously, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ is the foundation for discipleship. That's where we have to start. If there's no personal relationship between Jesus and a person, there's nothing to build on. As I research the topic as whether go and go make disciples is in the imperative form go or the passive form going, I found there was much controversy and confusion. Both sides seem to make some pretty good points. But please allow me to ask a question. Does it really matter? Isn't the important thing that we are making disciples? Whether we go or as we are going, isn't our purpose, according to the scriptures, to be making disciples? Also notice the context of the Great Commission. Reading all four sets of verses that describe this event, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, Mark 16, 19 through 20, Luke 24, 36 through 53, and Acts 1, 6 through 12, I find nothing that suggests anybody except the 11 disciples were present when the Great Commission was given. Now, some people have tried to say that, well, since it was given to the 11, it was only for them. In part, this is an argument from silence. Simply because the scripture doesn't tell us others were present, it neither tells us that others were not present. And I think looking further into the scripture, we can find some additional evidence. Certainly, if Christ had limited the Great Commission to the original 11, the preaching of the gospel would have ceased with their deaths. And the growth of the kingdom of God on earth would certainly have decreased. But let's look at 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 2. This is Paul talking. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Here we find the idea of what some have called the multiplication of ministries. 
or replication of ministries, discipling and committing our ministry to disciples who are faithful and able to make disciples of others. That is certainly what the original 11 did. They took the ministry that God gave them, making disciples, and they discipled others to do the same thing. Additionally, the Holy Spirit would not have inspired Ephesians 4.11, calling some to equip the church for the work of the ministry, which includes making disciples. Else the gift of the evangelist certainly would be unnecessary. But please note again, the evangelist is not one who evangelizes. In context, the evangelist is the one who builds up and equips the body of Christ to do the evangelizing. Second, for those not called to the Ephesians 4 ministries, for those of us living in exile in this world, until we return to our place of true citizenship. As Stephen Croyder so well taught us a couple of weeks ago, there's Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. And I'll just reveal them for us. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. I just want to stop there. You know, we can say, that, well, okay, well, we were never in physical Jerusalem and we were never sent to physical Babylon. But as so often in the scriptures, there's a spiritual meaning behind it. Jerusalem can refer to the church's home, heaven. Babylon can refer to this world. So I don't think it's wrong to apply this set of scriptures to us as well. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. When I look at the spiritual principle behind this set of scriptures... What it seems to instruct us to do is that as we are going about everyday life, we are to multiply and bring increase to the kingdom of God. Looking at the total of what scripture says, I believe some are called to go. And the rest of us, as we are going, in both cases, we are to be making disciples. And why is that important? Well, it starts with our children, our family, and those whom God brings across our path. It doesn't matter if you go or as you are going. We are all to be part of the body of Christ, doing our part to be making disciples. So being rooted and grounded in God's love, for if we have not love, we're just noisy symbols, annoying usually in noisy symbols. So being rooted and grounded in God's love, because if we don't know the breadth and the length and the height and the width of God's love, we cannot be filled with the fullness of God. 
So being rooted and grounded in God's love so that we understand who we are in Christ. So that being filled with the fullness of God and having the gifts of the Holy Spirit active in our lives, we may do the work of Christ, which is revealing the true nature of God the Father and the truth of his kingdom. May it be said of us as it was said of Jesus, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And this is what our lives should be about as Christians. We should be Jesus with flesh on. Every place we go, we should be Jesus with flesh on. Everything we do, we should be Jesus with flesh on. As God's people, the church has done poorly maintaining the unity of the faith. And in the last 50 years, the body of Christ in the West has not been proficient in making disciples. Next slide, please. If you could see this slide, and you probably can't because those gray lines are so small, but you would notice that from 1982 to 2012, the decline of religion in America is double what it was from 1952 to 1982. We're headed in the wrong way, folks, the wrong direction. Next slide, please. We see a decline of 10% in American church attendance in 20 years, 1994 to 2014. If the church in America was making disciples, we should expect to see at least 100% growth, not a 10% decline. You add those two together, and that's about a 90% failure rate. But as the, Paul, as the Apostle Paul so elegantly expressed in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 15a, not that I have already attained, or am I perfected, but I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. The Holy Spirit has and continues to lead Christian Outreach Church in an exciting adventure of growing into a loving, mature, powerful, and unified part of the body of Christ. But I have to say, eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God has in, plan, has in mind for us as a body and as individual members of his body. God does not want us looking behind, but pressing forward to attain, not just looking at the goal, but pressing forward to attain the goal the high calling which he has given us. Worship team, please come. A little further on in Jeremiah 29, after telling us how to live as exiles, he prophesies in verses 11 through 14. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. 
and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with your, all your heart. And I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. Going forward, we have an opportunity and a choice. We can choose to actively press into the Holy Spirit and be amazed by what God is doing and will do through us. How do we press into God? By cooperating with, that Holy, with what the Holy Spirit is doing in our midst. As Bereans, we take, as Bereans, take what we teach you and search the scriptures and prove that it's so. By doing the work of the ministry, by doing your part to make disciples, to love people, to be Jesus with flesh on, by prayer and supplication, hungering and seeking for more of God's love, and by making yourselves available to be used by the Holy Spirit. If you would, would you please stand and pray with me? Father God, we thank you for the work and the life that you have called us to. Holy Spirit, please come and work in our hearts. Please reveal the glory of our Father that we may draw close to you. Please give us a heart after the Father's heart and transform us from glory to glory until all see the Father's love when they see us. Help us to always choose to be available to you, Holy Spirit, to cooperate with what you're doing in every place and at every time. Help us to trust your leading and to be obedient to what you are asking us to do. Help us to love those who don't know you the way you love them. Help us to do what you put us here to do to make disciples. To live our lives for you. To see the kingdom of God increase. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. I ask you, we ask you, please move among us and encourage us. Just worship him, people. Just worship him. Oh, 
Holy Spirit, we seek you. We yearn for you. We yearn for your presence to lead us to the Father, to lead us to his heart, to take his heart and put it in us as hearts of flesh, hearts overflowing with love and gratitude for all that Jesus Christ has done for us. We worship you, Father. We thank you. Oh, Holy Spirit, please please forgive us, God, for not having excelled at building your kingdom. And help us, forgetting what's behind, Lord, to press on into you, to hold close to you, to draw you to ourselves. walk step with step with the Holy Spirit. Let's just worship him for a bit before we move on to communion.